Kaya, welcome to Ni. Listen, a podcast series where we sit down and yarn with some elders living here in Boralu, Perth. Now, you know the saying, this cost me an arm and a leg? Well, the guests you're going to meet today bought a house and it cost them a finger. True story. Joining me in the studio is Uncle Albert and Auntie Irene McNamara. They met when they were teenagers and they've been together for an incredible 60 years. We're going to find out their secret to a long marriage and we'll also hear how Albert's misfortune got them their first home. Welcome to the show, Auntie Irene and Uncle Albert. You've heard the saying, this cost me an arm and a leg. As you're going to hear in this yarn, Albert and Irene McNamara's home cost them a finger. Hmm. Literally. The proud Noongar and Yamaji elders were the first in their families to buy and build their own home. They still live in the same house today. Is that right? That's very true. Wow. And, and it cost me a, a little bit of my finger. A little bit of your finger. They've been married for 60 years and raised eight children together. I'm Phil Wallace-Stack and it's my great honour and privilege to sit down and have a yarn with Uncle Albert and Auntie Irene. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, married for 60 years. I'm 60 years next year. You don't get that much for murdering somebody. No, you just show you. <laughs> and you're pinching my thunder. You get less time for murder. What's your secret to a long marriage? I'm looking at you, Auntie. A um, lot of torture. I like Uncle's face, look at it. Yeah. Tell it straight it's out. It's not easy being married for 60 years to the same bloke. Mm. And, um, but we just, you know, put up with each other, persevered and, um, and just carried on with life. Yeah. And it, it's our children that keep things together. For me, it was my children, the grandchildren, that, you know, family is family. Yeah. And so, but between us, we had eight children between us. And uh, we got 18 grandchildren and 13 great grandchildren and three great great grandchildren. Wow. So, so you. I think and and staying with with the same husband is it keeps the family. You know, we have a lot of family things at home. You know, birthdays is an excuse to just have a gathering, mm-hmm. or just have a gathering just for the sake of having a gathering. You know, come home. They always come home to my place because it's I got the biggest yard. Yeah. Yeah. What's your excuse? Well, um, the, way, the way I look at it, after 60 years, um, I've really given up buying lotto tickets because I've got my prize here. Oh, so, you know, that, how much can you um, you need after that? But um, you have your ups and downs. That's mm. a part of life and a part of, you know, uh, being married for that long. And um, I love all my kids, my grannies and my great-great-grannies mm. because we were carers for our great-great-granny, which, you know, now she's going back to her mother <clears throat> and um, sometimes I sit down and I really miss that bit, little bit of noise around the house because uh, the noise only comes now on the weekends. But when you've got a great, great granny, you've got noise all the time and that's what, you know, that's what makes me keep on going. Yeah. And, you know, and you've got somebody that needs you and that's why I look at life. 
you've always got somebody coming around and having a yarn with you, your, your, your sons, your daughters, your grannies. And at Christmas time, um, my sons and daughters always say, don't give them too much chocolates, Dad. I said, well, when now, now you know what I had to go through, bring the news up and make sure that you got a good education, but I don't have to put up with them no more. You can take them home now. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the secret <coughs> is is to really work at it, eh? Yeah, well, so you that's said a lot it. of ups and, and, and you downs. Work hard. Yeah. You work hard at it. It's not easy. It's not, mm. it's not easy even for 20 years. Mm. But um, but you work out a marriage or, or, or as a partnership. It should be a partnership between two people. Yeah. And in that partnership you do have your downs and your ups. and Yeah. But you just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like throwing it in, you know. Yeah. Throwing, it, a, throwing if, a rag in. Is he, is he your best friend? <laughs> he is when I need him. Yes, he yeah. is. When I'm not well, he's my best friend. Yeah, too. Mm. You can when see his eyes, he's got that twinkle in his yeah. eye now there, look. When he, uh, he's not, when he won't. That twinkle's slowly going out. <laughs> <laughs> he's not when he don't wash up at night. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, how did, how did you both meet? And you tell. Well, um, this will go back to years ago when they used to have the West Perth markets and Orin used to work in the meat section there. It used to be called Globe Meats. And I used to work in the spud section because when we were kids, on the weekends that was a part of our job, going down to unload the trucks and the, and the veggies and watermelons, rock melons, and then actually sometimes we'd just drop a watermelon or rock melon so we could take it home and have a good feed on the way home. So well, I'm going to get... do that at the car yard yeah. this weekend. <laughs> accidentally scratch the car. Scratch the car. We used to stretch a melon. <laughs> But um, yeah. that's why we used to do them. We used to go down Lake Munga, walk around there and collect our copper and brass and take it to the scrap metals and sell it. That was our pocket money. And Guy Fox night, we used to have penny for the guy. We used to go to down Murray Street, Hay Street, all over Perth here, penny for the guy, and that was our other money. Yeah. But we used to um, get, get our car tops from over the lake when the people used to dump their cars. They'd cut the roof off and we used to float across but sometimes it used to get a bit heavy, so we had to sink our car top on the other side and walk right back, walk around. But there used to be a bloke out the gate. He had um, the rights for, for all the scrap metal in that. So we used to, uh, one bloke would be talking to him, the other one would just run around the back way and get through and bring all our copper and brass on. But we used to enjoy that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I went to St Joseph Primary School. That was in Subiaca. Then I went on to Morris Brothers College. That was up near the church, not far from the primary school, because the old boy was an um, Irishman, he was Catholic. He wanted to make sure that we got a good education and went to Catholic schools. Right. And um, um, I'm a wood machinist cabinet maker by trade. Yeah. And, uh, well, we're going to get into there. all that. <laughs> I've got to ask questions, you know. Well, OK. I'll, I'll let you yeah. the talk and then I'll yeah. have a rest for a while. You haven't even told how we met <laughs> So meet, meeting at the meat market... No, we didn't meet at the mark at the meat market. We met yeah. at the markets down the in markets. West Perth. West Perth markets. And, and you had your eye on him? I, no, I never even met him. Right. Let me tell the story. Here we go. Now the truth coming yeah. out. Oh, no, that's I what worked I in I worked in the in the butcher and we exported meat. Um, and um, I was the only girl there. I used to make sausages, and uh, one of the boys who worked there. 
he 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 was he mates with Albert, so he went over and got Albert and asked Albert if he wanted to meet an Aboriginal girl who works oh. over here. And um, so, yeah, he brought Albert over and introduced him to me, and so that's how we met. Well, you was making sausages and you met a silly sausage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. You, both, you both had different upbringings. I think, oh, you was raised in Perth. Yep. yep. Nani, you was raised in I was raised Warriper. everywhere. I was everywhere. raised, I was born Carnarvon. Yeah. I'm a Yamaji and a Murning woman from Eucla on both my grandparents' side. Nice. And uh, in 1940... Eight of my uncles and aunties and my grandmother came down on a boat uh, to to Perth and then they were taken to Moor River Settlement. My mum and my other auntie was with, they were expecting. So when mum had me, she followed her family down as well. And so we went to Moor River Settlement. Somehow I became a Moor River Settlement girl once I started school. I was kept up in the kindergarten area. You actually slept there as well. Yep. I ate and slept and it was a kindy. Then when I got to school age, at, at five, I was five because my birthday's in November. My, oh, my birthday's on Thursday. Well. And um, I used to, we used to, all the girls used to be locked up in a big dormitory mm. and all the women in another side and so we used to have peepholes where we could see our mothers through a peephole at night. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that yeah. because there was a little crack in, in the wall. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you looked through your mother with one eye, you know? Yeah, yeah. And she looking back with You'd one eye. You'd be crying eye. for your mother, you know? One eye crying yeah, in the wall. crying. And my grandmother lived what they called the camps at the back of the reserve. Yeah. Um, the more of a settlement. But... um. Then one day, one day, oh, I had one little thing about Moor River Settlement. I mean, I had all my family there, mm. which was fine with me. Uh, but one morning, having breakfast, because everyone got up for breakfast and they served you porridge, and the porridge had weevils in it that, to me, looked like worms. Weevils? Yeah, worms. They like worms. Ooh, Yeah. Uh, they get in porridge. That's in the old days. You can open your porridge thing and you've got weevils in it. Mm. Or you open it and weevils get in there somehow. And I wouldn't eat it and they were trying to make me eat this porridge. Mm. And then my mum came looking for me where I was. And um, she said, what's going on here, Irene? I said, I said, these people, there were three people there around me. They're trying to make me porridge with worms in it. Mm. So mum just picked up a chair and just got stuck into them. She ended up in the boob. Yeah. You know, the jail there they yeah. called a boob. Her name is written up there in the boob. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone writes their name. Yeah, I've got photos of that. Yeah. But um, and there, from there we were put in trucks and sent to Wandering Mission, safe. So Francis Savis, 1949. In Moor River, why why did they keep you away from your mum? 
I, I don't know, but they did. They locked up, and I don't know whether they were locking up the women to keep them away from the men. Mm. Why lock all the women up as well? Mm. But they locked up. It was a dormitory, but they locked us in six o'clock at night. Yeah, but and to keep you away from your mum. Yeah, I don't yes, know. Well. I I never did get to know why they did that. Mm. Some girls, it wasn't good for some girls in there because she had some bully girls, you know, you get them everywhere. Yeah. And some, yeah, to me it was all right, but I know some others that were bullied. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but when Moore River Settlement closed in 1949, mm. We were put on trucks and the Catholic girls went to Wandering Mission and the, Cath- and the Protestants, boys and girls, all went to Rowlands and the Catholic boys went to Tarden, I think. So you went to Wandering? Yeah, yeah. St Francis Xavier's Mission. So we arrived there. Well, we first, had to, we first went to a Catholic place along the river there and we all camped there for a night. We were taken to the zoo. First we all taken to the zoo and i never seen so much water in all my life. At the zoo? Well, you got to get across to... Oh, they put us the on a boat. <laughs> they put us on a boat. I screamed all the way over there. Oh, no. Once I got off, I was fine. Yeah. And I screamed all the way back. <laughs> I was so scared. I was underneath the stools, you know, that long stool where you sit along the side. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But anyway, we went to Wandering. We had English nuns when we arrived. Mm. And which, and, um, and we had, then we had the, the English nuns. First they had... The first other person we saw out of the mission came, he was a dentist, and he asked kids, you know, who's got a toothache? Mm. And I put my hand up because I wanted attention, see. <laughs> I, I wanted the attention yeah. about, you know, I'm going to the dentist, so there. And, uh, <laughs> and, and. And I went in, I had three nuns I hold me down while he pulled this my tooth out. He didn't numb it or anything, oh, just my. pulled it out. I'm in there screaming and then the dentist goes, um, next, there was nobody next. <laughs> <laughs> you got all the attention. <laughs> yeah, did, so, did, did you get an education that wandering? We, we were wandering mission only went to grade three, so I was in grade three when I got there. And they only, no, they went to grade four. Mm. So I moved up and I was in grade four for the three years I was there. But in the meantime, we went home Christmas to our parents. They got us out for Christmas. Okay. Grandmother and mum and dad. One Christmas we decided we didn't want to go back to wandering. And so they said you didn't have to. Mm. So there was big argument then with the native welfare and about us having to go back. But anyway, in the end, they found out that our parents didn't sign myself and my three aunties to go there. Ah. So they couldn't do it and they couldn't have us up for neglect because we were being very well looked after. 
Mm. All the kids on Mora Reserve were looked, all the families, everyone looked after each other. Everything was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and your mum followed you up all the way? And and my grandmother. And grandmother. I think my grandmother was the big push. Yeah. My that's, mom, that's a lot yeah. in families today, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, while I was in Moor River Settlement, they wanted to take me on to to Sister Kate's. I was reading all my stuff. And they said, well, I wouldn't um, do that because her mother won't like it. Mm. So we all went back. We lived with mum, dad and granny. My gran, she had her own place on the reserve. Yeah. And I'm going to get to that in a little while. Okay. <laughs> now I'll let him have a turn. Let him have a turn. <laughs> <laughs> so you was, you was born and raised in Perth, but you also have a connection to Moor River, yep, through your mother. Can you share that with us? Well, um my grandmother was born at Wongawal Station, that's Madu, um, Wanamala country. Mum was born in Waluna, that's Yamaji country. And when she was three months old, she was taken away and put into Moor River Native Settlement. That's what it was called in those days. And that's where Mum grew up. And when Mum uh, was old enough, uh, she left there. And then she came down to Perth and that's where she met um, my father and... In Moor River, Catholic Irishman, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Catholic Irishman. Yeah. And Bert McNamara. McNamara, yeah. That's why we're named McNamara. Ah, Bert. <laughs> What's his story? Well, he, he was an Irishman from Ireland, and he had a sister over here and another brother, and they used to live in Newcastle Street, West Perth. Ah. But um, Mum, when she was in Moor River Natal Settlement, she was only getting ten shillings a week, and out of that ten shillings, she was getting two and six to buy. Um, personal stuff, materials and stuff like that, and the Native Welfare put, supposed to put the rest in the bank. But um, a lot of Aboriginal people never got that money mm. because they passed on before that, same happened with mum and dad. Yeah. But, Do you remember um, any stories like with your mum being in the in the mission? Oh, yeah, she told us a lot of stories. But was she, the, Did she make a lot of new friends and family in there as well? Because I know hearing from um, a few elders around who who spent time in, in missions that they was taken away from their families. But, yeah. but then that's where, like, our mob now, because we all know each other, to yeah. come from the oldies in the missions because they became brothers and sisters. That's right. That's right. That's that, right. So did your yeah. mum yeah. talk yeah, mom, about mom, that? Mum had, um, she had a sister named Minnie, uh, Minnie Green, because she married um, uh, Tony Green. And mum's um, father was Frederick Clinch, brother of Gus Clinch from Payne's Fine, and my grandmother was named Molly Riley, but she was uh, brought up at Wongawal Station and she passed on at Wongawal Station. And mm. she was a full blood. And those days, and uh, my grandfather, uh, Frederick Clinch, was a Wajula bloke right. from Payne's Fine because they had a big station up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, that, and that would have been around the, the mining era, not? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, some, didn't someone just find a big nugget up there not so long ago? Well, Orange, one of Orange's family found a big gold nugget there and they went, come down to Perth, sold it and uh, refurnished all the house. Rest in peace, he's passed on now. But that's part of Orange's you know, He was family. Wayne, Wayne Stack. Yeah, he works on the roads board and found it. We know how they dig up things and he went to go for a toilet or something. Yeah. Or sneak away from work. And that's how you found it. Yep. Big nugget was and 
Well, I heard people go into the toilet and find the nuggets before, but not gold nuggets. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how, did, how, how did Ruby and Bert get together? They didn't like Wagula's marrying. Oh, well, no, no, because Mum had to have a citizenship's right and she was only allowed um, some of her friends to come over during the daytime and where we lived in Collins Street there was a police station about half a dozen houses down the road right on the corner and we used to live up next to the Italians. There's something about blackfellas and Italians. Yeah, yeah. My well, wife, well, she blackfella Italian, see? Well, the Italians got called <laughs> bogs and everything like that. We got called niggers and bongs and everything like that. So, you mm. know, we both got abused, so we stuck together. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. when I went to school, I got taught Italian and French, but I didn't really want to learn about Italian and French because I had no ambition to go to Italy or France. I wanted to learn mm. about my own culture. And only in, them, in those days... There was hardly any Aboriginal people around in West Perth, so that's why we used to go down to East Perth and that's where Mum used to take us on gambling nights. So. Growing up, you knew a lot of your language from, from both sides? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mum taught me a fair bit and she told me a lot of stories. Some of it was um, not very good from the Mission, Moor River. Yeah, and, so obviously um, in the Mission you wasn't yeah. allowed to talk language. Oh, yeah, yeah, you weren't, but otherwise they put you in the boob. Yeah. yeah. Did, you ever, did you talk language when you was in the mission? Well, uh, I got taught a bit about it because my first cousin was Barry Tullock, rest in peace, and uh, his father was uh, Scotty Tullock, and they were up in Waluna, and I still go up there now and again for different meetings and all up there they speak language. And to come into that, when they call the elders in, you, you, uh, you, you more or less can pick it up, you know. Mm what they're talking about, but that's why I learned what, a lot of it. What happened? Did you see anything? Like, did you see what happened to the kids in the mission when they when they spoke language? Well, they, they got taken away and you weren't allowed to talk to it. You know, the, the parents got put in the boob and you weren't allowed to talk. You got called a heathen or some other name, you know, because you weren't allowed to speak language because they couldn't understand it. The modulus couldn't understand what the Aboriginal people were talking about. Mm. But it wasn't just... Um, the Yamajis, they, they had Aboriginal people from all over. WA used to go into more of a native settlement. There was Wong, uh, the Wongais and there was Yamajis, there was Nyungas from all over the place, all over WA, just about got put in there. And yeah. it's got a bad history and that's why a lot of people don't want to go back there. It's, it's, it's horrible, isn't it, to, for an adult person to tell a young child they can't speak their own language, you know? Mm-hmm. Back back in them days, you know, with the I want to touch on the citizenship side of things because Ruby had a citizenship. Yep, yep. And in those days, they're not supposed to be associating with other Aboriginal people. Even your own family. Your own family, yeah. But Ruby managed to get around it, didn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because when they go gambling nights, this thing. Ah, right. Yeah. And that was on the weekend that we used to go to Collabrew dance when that was on. Yeah. What are your memories of those early early years in East Perth? Well, um, oh, in West Perth there, well... West Perth or East Perth? Uh, that's where we used to go gambling, East Perth. Ah, right. our Ingrams and Stacey's and all that was down there. Then um, up in West Perth there was the Lockyers. They used to be up there. Dennis Lockyer, but rest in peace. They all passed, mainly all passed on now. But those days we were taught, you know, if you wanted things in life, you had to work for it. And you had to work hard because you didn't get what kids get these days. Kids have got a you know a good future if they want to grab hold of it and use it. Yeah. But now, it, it, 
the whole thing's changed, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, you... So, you... So a lot of respect changed too. Yes. You you was fortunate enough to go to St Joseph's School in Subiaco and then to a private school. But you and your brothers were the only Aboriginal people. That's right. In and the there were boy out to pay big bucks and that I mean, was that, pounds, shillings and pence in those days. That would have been scary at those day, those oh, times. Yeah. But was you scared or was it more exciting? What, well, I used, to get in, I used to get in a lot of trouble because, I, you know, you used to get called a lot of names and one day this young bloke, he called me, I think he called me a bung or a nigger or something like that mm. and he had a knife on him. He, 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 he threw it at me but he missed. So I just picked the knife up and threw it back at him, stuck in his leg and I got suspended from school for a while. So you got the more talent and yeah. you got suspended. Yeah, I got suspended. He threw a knife and, and he nothing. got away with it, but he bought the knife in the school. See, if you bought a knife in the school these days, you'd mm. be out of there. Quick smart, I'd have the police in there. But there was nothing, you know, I just got suspended. But um, it was pretty hard and my brothers used to get picked on mm. and um, if I didn't stick up for them, I'd got to get it off mum and dad when I go, why didn't you stand up and, you know, slap that... that Boy, yeah. back for hitting your brother, and, yeah. and next day I went to school. I said, "Get it off the teachers." So either well, you know, either way, I got it. Mm. And, but um, that was part of growing up and learning. And you know, it was more like survival. You had to learn the hard way to get ahead in life. But yeah. now, you know, what I always say now: what goes round comes round. Yep. And now it's my turn. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. that. Yes, Annie, you moved to Perth from the country when you was about eighteen, nineteen. Mm. And you had a friend who joined the Defence Force. Yes, where I used to board at a lady's place called um, Mrs Wright. She actually played the piano for the Cooler Brew. Ah. And, um, and, yeah, she was a Wadula woman. And my friend, she joined the Navy. And everybody was joining the Navy at that in that time. Mm. Heaps of girls and then I wanted to join then. I went, went into Perth where you get um, enrolled to join the Navy. And, um, yeah, I just said, I want to join the Navy. How do I go about it? And he said, oh, first now, he said, do you have your citizenship? Mm. I said, no, why? Well, you... is." to say that you here, you Australian, you, you know. But I said, I am. I don't need a citizenship. This is my country. And he said, well, can you get your mum and dad to get one? I said, no. Why would they? They It's their country too. So anyway, so I never, he said, oh, well, he said, I don't make the rules. He was apologetic. Yeah. But um, he said, that's the rules. So I never got to go on the ship, why, go on in the navy. So you would, you didn't. Why didn't you want to get a citizenship to be able to why, go? Why? Why would I want to? Why would I want a citizenship? That's a good way. It to was t- against yeah. my mum and dad's and my grandma. It was against us to have a citizenship in our own country. Yeah, you stood up for us, right, didn't I? Yeah. So whether yeah. it went or not, he. You know that was that was just another another story. You know it didn't didn't matter. It didn't matter whether I went or not. But it was just a fact that yeah. they they I said to him, you need the citizenship to be in this country. I don't. Yeah. Mm. That, wow. 
What year was that? Roughly. About 1958, 59. Wow. That's, mm. that's so strong. That is really strong to, yeah. to tell them that, you know, it doesn't matter to me whether I go or not. No. I'm not getting papers for you. I like no, that. No, I didn't. I didn't. It, and it was against my mum as well. Yeah. We don't need citizenship. You don't need to prove anything mm. to anybody, you know. And my grandmother used to speak language, but she wouldn't let us speak. And she talked to us, but we can understand her, but we weren't allowed to speak it. I lived between my grandmother and my parents, you know, how our, our, her camp was there and ours was here. Yep. And, uh, but and my grandmother, she was given a sewing machine and she used to make our clothes, sew up clothes for us to go to school. Right. Yeah, and, uh, and mum, she used to fill the, everyone's tax forms for them. And out we paid tax, even though we weren't citizens, we still had to pay tax in them days. Wow. Yeah, and my dad got a, um, a cheque back once for one shilling. Mm. Uncle, how did citizenship affect you and your family? Well, you know, it, it really affected all Aboriginal people because you weren't even allowed to have your, uh, your family come around or your cousins, your uncles or your aunties. They could come around for a while during the day, but after six o'clock, they had to go, go back to their own place or, you know, go back to where they were staying, mm-hmm. you know, and you'd like to sit around and, and get to know your family. See, uh, once we picked up uh, Scotty and Daisy, uh, they come down from Baluna, and that was the old the old dog box trains, they used to call them, and those days used to come from Baluna. And um, they could only stay at home for a while, but then they had to go back. They weren't allowed to stay at, at, at home. Right? Yeah. And that was in West Perth. Explain to a few of our listeners who don't understand what the, what the six o'clock meant. Well, it was like a curfew. After six o'clock, any Aboriginal people were walking around town, got locked up, and you weren't even allowed to drink in those days. You know, if you got caught with a, a bottle of wine or a beer, you had, you know you got locked up for a while because um, they reckon alcohol wasn't, you know, wasn't for Aboriginal people, and if you got caught even smelling of it, the police would uh, take you back to the police station. Want to know where'd you get your wine from, or where'd you get a beer from? Mm. And I think there's a few other elders still got it in their minds that that really got locked up in those days for having a bottle of wine or a bottle of beer on them. Yeah. But um, I know the old boy; he, he didn't need, he didn't need a citizenship, right? Being Irishman, but sometimes he used to bring home a, one of them long necks, and, mm. and mum and dad used to sit around and have a beer. But otherwise, you know, you weren't allowed to have beer mm. unless, you know, you had a citizenship's right. And then you weren't even allowed to have it on you outside. You could have a beer at home, but then the police were just down the road and they'd keep an eye on anybody that used to come into your house. And, they, and they'd uh, check after six to see if that person was still still there. Yeah. Would, would your mum get in trouble for seeing other nungas? Well, yeah, you know, if, um, well, Saturdays they used to have gambling, but Mum used to have, have that little black card with her, with a photo in one end and a citizenship's right and all the details on the other side. Mm-hmm. And she had the card up with her when she's come down to East Perth when they had card nights. And she, um, if, any, if she got pulled, when she got pulled up, she had to show that she was a citizen in her own country, you know. And it's, it's very um, degrading. Yeah. It's very um, depressing, mm-hmm. you know. The only time I got depressed when I went to Cambodia and I've seen enough of trauma over there and we're still go, doing the same thing here. 
Yeah. And, you know, prejudice is still alive and well, you know, so that's what you've got to watch. Mm. And that's what a lot of people don't realise these days, though. You, you, both your both your stories, you know, you got experiences of of saying no, I don't want to get a citizenship, you know, because I I know yeah, well, who I am. None, none, none of my uncles or aunties either. Out of ten of grandmother's children, mm. nobody got their citizenship. I but got I, my citizenship papers from for nineteen ninety six. I got my citizen. I had to get a citizenship as well. 1996? Yeah, because I was going over to Bali and you needed a citizenship to get back, they said. Ah, for the passport? Yeah, for yeah. the passport. Yeah. Ah. So that's why, that's how that turned out to be. But they said the that you can go to Bali but you won't be able to get back. Because at the time we had five kids and I said, well, I'm going to be stuck with all Six. the kids but we live well. We had steak, egg and chips every <laughs> night just about. But I said, you're going away for a holiday with the teachers and you've got to get back here too. Yeah. <laughs> now, oh, just to go back a little bit, you you got a trade apprenticeship. Yeah, I'm a wood machinist, cabinet maker by trade. And um, back in those days we had to do five years, but now they can RPL, you know, through. We only do about two or three years. Ah. But um, I was the only black fella out the out, um, woodwork section. Yeah. And I had 18, um, there was 18 blokes there. So I'd done my five years, and in that five years I used to go for morning teas, lunches, afternoon teas, sweep up, do all the rubbish stuff around in the place, and I thought to myself, even those days, well, you know, I thought, well, stick with it, and I got called a few names, mm. stick with it, and I said, well, what goes around comes around, and so I stayed there for seven years because at that time, after five years, I was the foreman in the woodwork session, and, I, and then I had 18 blokes under me. From every other country, and I was still the only black fellow there. Oh. So I'd done that. I'd seen four walls for seven years. I said, no, I want to see how the rest of the people live. So I got out and started working with communities and organisations. So in to go back into your apprenticeship and you're working with um, in, in cabinet making? Yeah, and wood machine. In it. Is that how your finger, you lost your finger? Yeah, I lost it on a shaper. I, I was going through and I would uh, pine board. And I hit a knot and I grabbed hold of my hand and I said to the boss, I said, you better take me to the doctors. Hmm. And um, and when he had a look at my finger, I had all congealed blood in my hand, I said, you better take me up to the doctors. And he nearly passed out because he was a bodger. You could see him changing his colours. You know, and they call us. <laughs> and they call they us colour, don't they? They call us colour, but he was changing quick. He went from green, he went from white to green to pink. He was changing colours quicker than what I had a shirt on. Yeah, but the thing at the time, he took me up. And I went back on and um, I couldn't bend my knuckles, so I kept on hitting the saw. So I had to go back in and they took part of my finger off and that's what paid for my house. And I've, oh, that was about... A deposit. That's how you got the deposit? Yeah. Yeah, that's how I got my deposit on the house. And those days, we, you know, I worked all my life. You should have cut the other two off. You'd have paid the whole thing off. I've a lot of blokes go to work very stressful and do, the, do their fingers too, so no way. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to no, have a chat to my wife yeah. about her fingers when yeah. I get home. Well, we didn't um, go through anything. We did everything on our own. Yep. Wow. We never had no handouts. We didn't we have go to any, well, you know, Aboriginal things. We did it ourselves. That's that's the 
that's the story that I'm getting. The more that I talk to to you, to you know, I, I see you at a lot of events all the time and bump into you and have a chat. Mm. But to really talk about your story, I'm, I'm getting the sense of you know you 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 did what you wanted to do and you stood on your own mm. feet to make it happen. You know, but it comes from your family too. You know, it's your family. You know, um, they're the ones that say if you want things in life, get off. You know, get off your butt and work for it because. Don't sit there with your hand out because you won't get nothing, you know. Yeah. Work for what you want in life and now we've got everything. We've got our house, our boat, our cars, caravan, boat. So, you know, you, we work for it. We never got it for nothing. You remind me of that movie, The Castle. Castle. Oh, yeah. You seen that one? Yeah, yeah, one. I like that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> You, you built your castle, though, yeah. you know, yeah. when you built your own Maybe home. Maybe we should put a sign up there, our castle. Yeah. Welcome to our castle. No, I won't put welcome, just <laughs> Castle, everyone Stay out of my castle. <laughs> Big sign at the front. But to look back on now and and look at the times back then mm. and when you built your own home, you must be so proud of each other, um, proud of yourselves. Yeah, well, well, we we got it. We made it. But I'd like to also go back to the more reserve with all our family. You know, we we were all. Everyone was grannies, uncles and aunties and we were all brothers and sisters even on the reserve in Mora. Mm. And um, it was um, more reserve even though we had to walk this far. I had to cart our water, had no toilets. It was still the best place. Mm. My best memories come from there because of... All the rest of the people, everyone looked after the kids. No one came to Moore Reserve to take kids away. Yeah. They were, everyone was there, you know. It was good because everyone helped look after each other, make sure everyone was going to school, mm-hmm. even though we had to walk that's, that's the sense of a community, you yeah. know. Yeah, and we had our own dance floor. It's funny. Moore Reserve used to be a army base Okay. And there was all cement places around, so the first people who got there built on them cements. But they left one big one in the middle that had a big <laughs> chimney, and that was our dance floor. Ah, too so good. So we have dancers there. Every You know, everyone played an instrument. Yeah. And um, and we used to do cup of teas and, and uh, sandwiches to sell. <laughs> Yeah. Our camp had this window where you lift it up and put a stick in and people come to there and get a cup of tea and a um, sandwich. Those days when you're talking about there, and I hear a lot of oldies talking about the days on the reserves. Yeah. And it was a community, wasn't it? It was. And it, it was. was that old saying, was it, a uh, 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 Tribe raises raises yeah. a child, you know, and if someone playing up, then the aunties and uncles yeah. and the older yeah, well, cousins. Like, is that missing today? Yeah. Yep. yeah. And so um, is the respect missing today because we had yeah. a lot of respect for our parents, our grandmothers and our grandfathers, but, you mm. know, it's, it's got to come back. You know, straight out of high school I got told from my, my parents, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm going out of school I've got to get a trade. So I yeah. did a house painting from. apprenticeship trade, you know. Oh, you but you got, <laughs> but not anymore. I think about houses now. <laughs> but it, it's that thing of you know. My dad always told me when we talk about culture, it, the main thing about culture is looking after your home and your family. Mm. Yeah, and that's, that's what you, you two did. Yeah, yeah. And what, with your eight children, 
you led um, by example with your life. So now that I think they're all tradies, aren't they, your children? Yeah. Well, well, when you look at it, education starts from the day you are born because you get told, don't touch that, that's, you're going to get burned. If you put your hand near that fire, you're going to get burned. So that's where education starts. But then you go on to school to processing, you know, increase your education. Mm. And it's the same with Aboriginal people. Somewhere along the line, Aboriginal people are all related. Yeah. Because, you know, you say, how you going, brother? How you going, sister? But in, in, you can walk up to the first Aboriginal person and say, how you going? What's your name? Oh, you got family down the road. If I said that, they'll watch you telling me to bugger off. Mm. You didn't want to know me. Mm. That's the difference in the culture. Yeah. And, and it all, passed on to your kids. Yeah, and all my boys, they're traders. I've got uh, three uh, sparkies in the family. My son, he's got his own business. He's an electrical fitter. And then I've got my granddaughter, my grandson, and a, my other son is a first-class fitter and turner. And I've got a boiler maker. So they've all got their trades. Young Albert's got three houses, so he's he's doing okay. So and all my other boys have got houses. So what you're telling me... If you Is want that, something, work when, for it. No, no. That <laughs> <laughs> you can renovate any time you like. <laughs> I've, re- I've rebuilt my house, just about my patio. All the family's got together and done it. Has he seen the castle? Oh, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, and it and it reminded reminded that we all sat at the table to eat. Yep. It was, at mealtime we all sat down. And I used to be always thanked for what I've cooked. It was so good. Thank you. You know, he even used to say, he, he don't say it no more now when mm. I cook. He, he don't say thank you. That was nice. Hey? I said, well, I just see food and eat it now. You know, them days family sat around the table and the man was the head of the table and, and he always had the shanks from the roast lamb. Mm. The male, the man got the roast shank, mind you. <laughs> I don't get the wishbone no more off the chalk either. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so my, I got a photo now. My little great granny, when she's there, she has the shanks now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to go to something that um, that I I know and you both for is the dancing and the Coolabaroo Club. So I, I know I you're talking be, about yeah. the dancing at um, Mora. Yeah, well, that was better than the Coolabaroo. Eh? Mm. Well, tell because me about Mora then. I went to the Mora dancing more than I went to Coolabaroo dance. I've come down towards the end of it to Perth, you know, towards the end of the Coolabaroo. It's been going years mm. and years before I came to Perth. Now, you saying that that one was better... But you might not agree, you know, Uncle? No, no, I remember the Okie Pokey and the bride, um, the dancers and all that. But um, ask her who, who taught her how to dance properly when she came to Perth. Oh, yeah, here we go. Properly. Properly, lass. What properly? Hey? What properly. We start <laughs> fights in here. <laughs> <laughs> he taught me how to jive. I used to win prizes in it, so she had to follow me then. So you was a champion oh, You didn't win prizes. You had, a, you had to have a partner to win it. Oh, here we go. Go on. <laughs> hey. I knew I'd get a bite. <laughs> oh, you remind me of the Patrick Swayze. You remember Patrick Swayze in Dirty Dancing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever lift Arnie up out of the water or stand on a log? <laughs> <laughs> No, he oh, swung me around. He swung me around, and you wore them big, you wore them big um, furry dresses and skirts, uh, and and petticoats. 
Yeah. And one night my petticoat fell off, fell down, and it just stood up there around me. <laughs> and that was out the hop. <laughs> and I had my skirt, so nobody saw anything because the, the petticoat had that much material. And so when you swing around, you you know, it goes right out. Yeah. Is, is there one night in particular at the Mora Dances that you remember was your favourite night? My favourite night was every night because... Yeah. Um, Every, every there was no charge on who plays and sings at mm. that dance, and um, the, the probably the best dance was is, was the change partner ones. Then you get to dance with every bloke oh, oh. or girl. You know, you yeah. you dance with women too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, change partners was good. Um, but we did the Pride of Erin and we did all of those mm. dances there on the on Moore Reserve, all the Gay Gordon. Where did all our mob learn them dances? They just learned it probably by seeing it at the movies at the movie, or yeah. I think Nunausia. Now, one person, one of my the nieces, she, she and I were dancing when we went up for a wedding to Mika Thara or anniversary, and she knew all those dances that we used to do on the reserve. I said, where did you learn this? She said, at Nanorsia Mission. Because hmm. Nanorsia Mission sort of changed from the old time. They were in Nanorsia where they had to pay for, for them to go to school there. Yeah. And camp there. They wanted them to board there, the girls, in case they go astray in hmm. Perth. And Uncle, you was a champion dancer, I heard. Oh, no, I got tamed. He needed a, par- <laughs> he needed a partner. <laughs> yeah. Really, he, who who he taught was, you to dance? Well, I used, to, um, I used to watch a lot of it, uh, especially during the war days, you know. The, they used to have um, on, or talk about it, and Coolaburu used to teach, you know, you had to have style when you were dancing. Mm. So I thought... I want to get a bit of style about me and get up and start doing a few movements. So <laughs> I got up and next minute, you know, I used to have a lot of wajita girls um, wanting to dance with me, but they had to see the boss first. They had to ask her. Because <laughs> <laughs> one day she got a bit wild. One of them shoved across the floor. <laughs> hey? Oh, no, that's because that was his old girlfriend. <laughs> well, and she, she was trying to push in. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't really my boyfriend then. I got to be his girlfriend after. After you shoved that yoga flan. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you meet anyone famous at Coolabrew? Well, um... In those days, I remember um, with Peter Stacey, we were out um, this one night out the Coolabaroo, and then Nat King Cole and his wife come along. Nat King and, Cole. And Bill Bodney presented Nat King Cole and his wife a boomerang, and I've still got the original photo of that. I was going to say and that I've original shown photo. it to yeah. a few of the people in the city of Perth. They wanted it, and I said, no, you can't have it, but you can, get, you know, you can take a photo of it because... Mm. That photo can't be replaced anymore. No. Have, but, have you ever thought about tracking down his family, um, Nat King Cole's family? I tried to do it one day, but a lot, Nat King Cole and his wife have passed on, and I know he had a daughter. And yeah. She was, um, you know, she was a good singer too. Yeah. But he used to sing a lot of um, nice songs in those days. Wouldn't, even when wouldn't he come that to be an amazing story, eh? If someone oh, yeah. tracked down Nat King Cole's 
family and to be able to reunite like that, you know, yeah. and that connection back, I think it would be an amazing story. Well, there's a lot of things I'd like to do, but, you know, I think, um, you know, as you get on, and it's uh, pretty hard for an Aboriginal person to, you know, live a long life, but um, I'm trying my best to live a long life and I'm enjoying it as it goes on because now with all my grannies and great-grannies and, you know, being a part of a lot of organisations which I'm enjoying, mm. but I can I can uh, tell you one true story. What do you mean, um, true story? We've been telling lies all day. <laughs> no, 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 we've been telling, having, having a fun joke <laughs> session, I think. <laughs> but I'll tell you one day, I used to be on the NAIDOC committee and I flew from Perth to Melbourne and um, got on the plane there to go over to Hobart. And um, I'd never forget this story because... This little bloke sat next to me and he said to me, he said, where do you come from? I said, I'm an Aboriginal Australian. He said, we haven't got no Aboriginal people over here, we shot them all. I said, well, you haven't shot this little black duck because I'm still flying around. And that little bloke wouldn't even talk to me. And even when I got off the plane, his family was there, met him, and the chauffeur come up, Mr McNamara, grabbed my bag, and this little bloke looked, looked at me and his jaw must have dropped about a couple of couple of inches, yeah. and he just looked at me, pointed at me to his wife and kids, and the uh, chauffeur grabbed my bag and took me to a big white limousine and took me off to the hotel. <laughs> and i never seen that bloke look at me so hard like he didn't know who he was talking to, but it just goes to show, never underestimate what a black fella can do. Yeah, that is, I love that. That is and a great And that's a story. true story, and that comes from me. Yeah, <laughs> I love that story. Now, you both work very, very hard all your lives. To get to where you are, yeah. But you both end up in the education department yeah. as well. Yeah. How did um, that happen? I only went to grade four, mm. and um, outcomes got. You know how they used to have community health around in them days. Aboriginal people come home visiting, and yeah. they used to have little things happening. So I used to go along. You know they used to you know to. To have little, they had programs. You know, you go sewing or knitting one day, and but you, also it was some um, health diets. You know, eating the right foods, and uh, and I had to eat food to put on weight. But when they position came up in the education department, of course they would go through other Aboriginal departments outside. You know, where Aboriginal people worked. Mm. So I was asked if I'd like to. Um, work in the little kindy that just been built right near where I lived, where we lived. And so that's how it all started um, mm. about 19, 1976, I think it was. Was it the same time you both went to the education department? No. Yeah, I was still, still doing my trade yep. as well, but then I thought as you get older, try and get something a bit easier, so I went into education. And Orange also in the Hall of Fame in the Education Department. And 2018, she was an elder, named Elder, from the NADOC Committee Award in 2018. Wow. And I got my award in 2008. You, you both have, have, have a lot of common milestones, don't you? Mm. You know, yeah. with awards, the Elder of the Year, yeah. a, a lot of committees and yep. um, community groups yeah. that you both sit yeah. on. But um, you're also both on the City of Perth's Elders Advisory Group that's as right. well. Yeah. What's what's that been like? Well, that's been, you know, it's been a great, uh, great challenge really because um, I remember it wouldn't be even 
20, 30 years ago, Aboriginal people couldn't even get a, a foot in the foyer of the city of Perth, and now we're up on the sixth, sixth floor mm. talking with the, the mayor and making changes. Mm. city of Perth has come a long way since they got Aboriginal people involved, especially with the elders, yep. and the elders are very important to any other organisation throughout Perth now. And I think a lot of these organisations need to employ more Aboriginal people, elders and young people because Mm. they're going to be elders one day and it's got to be passed down. But the City of Perth has made a big difference now. We've even changed laneways to names and one of our elders, rest in peace, we've got a name change there and also we've changed the Riverside Drive to Budia Drive which is, of course, we're the bosses of the City of Perth and Budia means bosses. And also some of the street names has been changed. What do you think City of Perth changed their ways? Um, I think Danny got in touch with them. Danny Ford? Yes. Yeah, Danny Ford. Yeah, Danny Ford. And uh, because at that time Danny was working on a lot of rap organisations, mm. rap, and um, so he asked us to be part of the rap on there. But I know it's a Wajak rap, but we're not Wajaks. But, um, yeah. but, my, but a lot but of people my are represented in Perth, yeah. well, that's From it. All, over, yeah. all over WA, yeah. you know, but it was my, the capital city. My stepfather city. was a Kalbung who read me up when I left the mission and he was one of the people who helped get me out of the mission as well. Mm. And I knew him from since I remember, even when I was in Moor River Settlement, as a little girl, he'd buy me biscuits and arid biscuits and a can of Nestle's milk. Oh, yeah. And you open that, you put that on your Nestle's milk, on your on your wheat mix, yeah. on your biscuit, arid biscuit they were and eat it. And you got a lot of friends as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I'm looking at, you know, Uncle, with, with the council and the, with the city of Perth there's, uh, and and the elder, with the elders' advisory committee, committee, it's just common sense, isn't it? Yeah, but I think with the city of Perth... Why didn't that happen earlier? Well, that's it, because, you know, a lot of stuff is... um, The government put up policy and guidelines to control Aboriginal people, but I think with the city of Perth, when they um, started wanting to work with Aboriginal people, you've got to tell the truth and be committed, and that's Mm. what the city of Perth has done, being truthful and being committed. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. because Mm. now the truth is coming out... And I know it's going to, going to cost the government trillions of dollars to change the um, policies and also the history. What's put in history, history books, is a lot of lies in there. But, but be yeah. honest and tell the truth. That's what the City of Perth is doing by working with Aboriginal people and listen to what the Aboriginal people want. And that's what government wants to do, listen to what people want instead of putting up, putting up policies and guidelines. Uh, decisions are made for Aboriginal people in offices without even talking to them to see what the people want. That's right. As it's it's people <coughs> making decisions, they've got no idea of mm. Aboriginal history. And the mm. culture. And the, well, the, the generational trauma that's been passed on. Yeah. Well, the city of Perth has learnt a, long, a lot from us being there, you know. They've mm. learnt and a lot of them haven't even met an Aboriginal person. Mm. And... Um, but things are working out uh, good at the moment, you yeah. know. Do you feel like a lot of, are you, are you happy with a lot of changes that's been 
happening and yeah. that's coming. I know you will know, yeah. know what's well, with coming. With the changes and that, it really starts, you know, if you want, want to work together and make the changes together, you've got to talk to the people up the top. You've got to talk to CEOs, managers and directors and if they're committed, they'll push it down the line and make it work. But if you start with the bottom, they'll say, oh, it's not part of our policy and they don't want to know about it. But if they're really committed from the top, they'll make it work down. Yeah. And you've had one one mayor with the city of Perth, he wanted to work with Aboriginal people and make the change, and now we've got Basil Zemblis there. He's really into working with Aboriginal people. He even had a dance a couple of weeks ago yeah. when they, we signed a document off. He was doing, doing a dance with the Aboriginal people. I have seen dance. that. Yeah. yeah. You need yeah. to talk to him about their moves. Oh, no, no, he's got his own moves. I tell you what, yeah. There was a video going around there. <laughs> and the same oh, we didn't even see it. Uh, are, are, you, are you both proud of what's what's been happening at the City of Perth? Yeah, I am very yeah, proud of that because yeah, it so. goes to show you can work together, make yeah. the change together. And the same with Do- uh, Dr Michael Wright. He's with the Looking Forward program and he's made a lot of change with different organisations and um, that's where we come into Richmond Wellbeing, Telephone for Kids, City of Perth, City of Fremantle, and also different other organisations. But mm. you know, he's done a tremendous job too. With with the City of Perth, your house, your education, your children, your mm. great grandchildren. What what are, what are you both most proud of? I'm very proud of both of you. So I've got to say that yeah, before. Well, that we're all we're just one big family. You know, it's like the more reserved. And we keep connected. We try and keep connected with their family, you know. Mm. Don't let them, don't let things go for a long time before having a gathering. Mm. And um, we're always buying the food. We don't mind, you know, we we can afford it for them. Yeah. But, um, but the, the, you know, being able to live until I'm 80, 81 next Thursday, on Thursday I'm Th- 81. This Thursday. Yeah. Mm. So being able to live so long where my mum and dad, they didn't they didn't live up to 60 at all mm. and uh, they both had a heart problem. And uh, the other thing is um, I think I'm making mum and dad proud, you know, of what we've done, where, how we've worked. Mm. And I've had one brother left from our family, and mm. um, but there's a what we work on now is just keeping the the connection with our family, and then the other families we come in as well. well I used to, mm. I used to even send my niece money so she can buy her little ones Christmas present, give them Christmas money, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> When you when you spoke about your mum just then, I've, I heard a little yeah. little yeah. hiccup in your throat. If yeah. if you could speak to your mum today, after everything that you've done and everything that you've achieved, what would you say to her? I'd tell my mum. My mum wanted to write her autobiography, and she kept talking about it. And people wanted to help her do it, but she still didn't get around to it. I'd like to tell her that I'm doing that now and putting all our stories into that and we have one of the grandsons putting that all together for us. So our, our, our family history and uh, also our family tree. Beautiful. That's, that's beautiful. Um, Uncle, 
What are you most proud of? Well, um, the thing I'm proud of to see, you know, like we've been working with the City of Perth and, and my biggest th- uh, ambition is for a better future for my kids, my grannies and my great-great-grannies because I didn't have that uh, thing um, that um, things given to me, like, you know, they've got the opportunity to get to there but get um, now. But um, uh, I'm really proud of my my kids, my grannies and great-great-grannies, but I want to see things where we work together and make the change together and make things happen and tell the truth. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What do you both want to be remembered for? Supporting and helping people and organisations and working together. Yeah. Um, we'd be remembered just as people out there. You know, you've got to be out there for people to get to know you. Yes. And um, that's what um, that's what I'd like. I'd like to. And we've been out there. You know, when you work with education, you're out there. Mm. And uh, I also worked in when I retired. I worked in. Bentley Hospital and Armadale Hospital, and uh, I worked until I was seventy-two. Yeah. Yeah, and wow. um, it was a liaison with the people. Yeah. But um, I just want to go a little bit back to more, and I'm just reading something here. Yeah, sure. When you talked about the, my castle, you know our yeah, castle. Yeah, I'm going to talk, bring that back up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I got written here our camp that Dad built. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, talking about your castle, I, I, you know that's a that's a beautiful story, and and you know it cost you a finger. You know, I, that's how you got the deposit for the house, but you've mm. built this. This castle and you build it and it's a home, isn't it, yeah, for your kids, yeah, your, your yeah. grannies, your great grannies? We, we don't have couples but living I, in our house. I heard someone got a man cave there. Yeah, yes, there's photos. And, and there's, a, there's a sign above the door, no? Yeah. What does that say? <laughs> he laughing. <laughs> got Aboriginal the, um, heritage yeah, site. Yeah, Aboriginal heritage site. Keep out. Yeah. You, you been to your cave lately, or? Well, I, I, get, I, get in, I, get, I get in there when the boss starts arguing with me. I go in there and lock the door. So you haven't been in trouble for a long time, by the sound. No, no, no. You get but in the there and is, make a big mess. It's just full of junk. Well, it's full of memories, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's got a lot of memories there, even all my fishing gears. He's memories. Yeah, he's, only his memories. But the thing there, the way I look at life, you know, Life is what you make it and you've got to live the life to understand it. If you haven't lived it, don't talk about it because you're only uh, reading it out of a book where people put in stuff in books which they want you to read about. Mm. Yeah. Live it and then you can talk about it. Yeah. When we had that big shed built, um, my son first come over and stuck some things in there and then another son came over and built a room in it. Mm. And he said, well, that's for you if I want to come back to stay. <laughs> and, um, yes, everyone was putting their junk and now, like I'm saying, well, now, David, you've got a big, he's got a shed bigger than his house. <laughs> I said, you can come and take all your junk back now. I said, my shed's full already. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's been, I wish we could talk all day. Listening to, to your story has been, it's been beautiful and, this recording is going to be around forever, so your great, 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 great 
grandchildren will hear this, you know, and they'll have access to this. What do you want to say to them? To my children. Mm. Live our dream. Yeah, live our dreams. Yeah. And it's been a pleasure talking to you, Phil. Oh, you're the only pleasure. one who says yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. and it's also nice talking. Yeah, thank and you. Thank you for that. Thank you both so much for sharing your story and being open and honest and inspiring mm. our people, you know, but yeah. also leading the way and setting by example. Like you said, don't talk about it unless you live it, don't you? That's right. That's You've got to right. live the life to yeah. understand it. Yeah. If you haven't lived it, don't I talk just, about it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed my yarn with Uncle Albert and Annie Irene as much as I did. Nee, Listen Us Talking is a series of interviews with elders from Boroloo, Perth. You can find more of these yarns at can.org.au or find them on your favourite podcast app. This series was made possible thanks to the generous support of the City of Perth and would also like to thank the ABC for being our broadcast partner. For more information, head over to can.org.au. And until then, I'm Phil Wally Stack. Border.